This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. New Zealand's Prime Minister is moving quickly to take action following Friday's horrific murderous attack on a mosque in Christchurch. She not only has stated her intention to change gun laws, she says her reforms will be announced within 10 days. 10 days. It's not the only time a country has moved to quickly change the law after a mass shooting. Australia did the same. Should Canada follow that lead? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now, let's weigh in with Irvin Waller, who is a professor emeritus at the University of Ottawa and the author of The Science and Secret of Ending Violent Crime, and security and terrorism expert Ross McLean with me here in studio. Welcome to you both. Hello, Libby. Good Hello. to be here. Hi. Let's start with you, Professor Waller. So what was the experience of Australia after uh, that an event there, and how did they change the laws, and how did it work? Well, basically what happened was that there was a massacre in Port Arthur in Tasmania. Uh, a guy was trying to beat out the number of people killed in Hungerford and Dunblane in, uh, in England. And the prime minister at the time called John Howard, the national uh, prime minister, basically uh, introduced a series of uh, important gun control measures. He prohibited automatic and semi-automatics. He required the registration of firearms, and he uh, had a, a way of buying up uh, prohibited uh, weapons. They actually spent uh, half a million, half a billion dollars to uh, buy back various uh, weapons. And the r- results are um, perhaps clearest on suicides. There's a very dramatic reduction in suicides, uh, over time, uh, but the homicide rate in Australia went down like in other countries, uh, but has probably gone down more uh, because of this uh, legislation. But I think it's very important to put in context uh, that when you're looking at um, mass killings like happened in Christchurch or like happened in uh, or or like happened in Las uh, Vegas, it's the semi-automatic and automatic weapons that enable the uh, these uh, guys to kill so so many people. So Australia has lived uh, a bit over 20 years without a uh, a major massacre. They did uh, about two years ago have a have a, a mass shooting, but it involved significantly fewer uh, people than than in Christchurch or Las Vegas or in uh, Port Arthur. Ross McLean. 
Well, it's uh, there's lots of interesting sides to this, of course. And one of the things when you're looking at statistics is, and I'm not saying that Mr. Waller would be doing this. It sounds to me like he's trying to do his best to use the statistics in a proper way, in a fair way. But I know that there are people who can say statistics on the other side won't bear out that there's an absolute causation between the two not having a gun ban and suicide and homicide rates. It could be an argument. It could move a little bit either way. But uh, one part I was wondering about is I was looking a little bit into it. You described the the gun change that took place as a buyback. My understanding was there was actually a confiscation of rifles and guns in Australia at the time. So the police uh, went to go take the guns from people who had them. I am not familiar with those uh, details. Uh what they were basically doing is providing a significant amount of money to buy back uh, prohibited and illegal weapons. Uh, you may be right. I'm not uh, aware of uh, uh, confiscations. Have uh, If I could ask this, Libby, but yes. it's because I'm intrigued by his book, if he's got the secret to how to solve all this, I mean, I'm sure that's to help the title for it. But what's your, what's, what's your take on acting on the criminals and the trigger pullers uh, as effectiveness uh, versus the, the guns? Well, I think we, we need to look at three different sorts of um, homicides. Uh, the, the Christchurch... Uh, massacre uh, gets huge headlines, and uh, rightly so. And like Las Vegas gets huge headlines, and like uh, Dunblane and Hungerford got huge headlines. So like the Ecole Polytechnic got huge headlines uh, here. And um, there is a general correlation between uh, tighter um, gun control uh, measures and uh, fewer um, mass shootings. And the, the U.S. has, of course, recently moved on bump stocks, which is what was used in the Las Vegas situation and may have been used in Christchurch. We don't actually know uh, the details uh, about the, the weapons. So that's one issue. And um, you've then got the, the issue of uh, suicide. Uh, and I'm going to move to the third issue, which are basically inner-city um, handgun homicides. So in the U.S., you you have roughly 7,000 uh, people murdered in a year with uh, handguns. And most of those uh, handgun homicides are uh, between young men in uh, disadvantaged uh um, zip codes in the United States, and uh, they're, they're not that dissimilar from the sorts of uh, uh, handgun shootings that have been taking place in Toronto. The rates in the U.S. are, are, are much higher. And uh, the issue of what you should be doing about handguns, um, Australia, for instance, limits uh, ownership of handguns to people for target practicing and for security uh, reasons. But I think the issue of handguns has to be addressed, not just through uh, banning handguns, because uh, you're going to be able to smuggle handguns from Detroit, Detroit into Toronto just as easily as you can smuggle um, handguns from Indiana into uh, Chicago. But you have to look at what we know 
about stopping that violence. And we know today a huge amount about how to stop inner city uh, gun. But I think, okay, let's uh, return to the question of mass shootings. And these are seemingly ideologically motivated mass shootings. So this guy, he had a plan. He was, uh, by all appearances, extremely organized. So, uh, Professor, would a ban on uh, automatic uh, weapons, would that have stopped him? Well, clearly he was, uh, well, clearly from the evidence we have, he was ideologically motivated. But in other um, mass killings like Las Vegas or like Dunblane, they weren't uh, ideologically um, motivated. Uh, I, I think the really important point is that if you limit access to semi-automatic and automatic weapons, then uh, when you get some guy who wants to go and uh, do this ideologically or not, uh, you're going to get generally fewer people killed. Um, Yes, this guy seems to have done a lot of planning. He also seems to have done a lot of planning to kill himself. The media coverage I've seen is that he had explosives in his car. So it seems that he was fairly suicidal in his um, attempts. But the numbers are really important. If you look at Las Vegas, where whatever it was, between 50 and 60 people were were killed, this was because he was using... um, uh, quick fire weapons uh, with, with with bump stocks, and the same is true of this guy going into the first mosque. He was able to kill a lot of people because he had uh, uh, high-powered guns, and he would acquired these guns uh, legally. Yes, he had a license, um, but he was then uh, able to go and get the guns he wanted uh, without really any uh, any further checks on him. Okay. Uh, Professor Waller, I know you have to go, so uh, thank you so much for that. I'm sorry not to be able to continue. Good luck. Okay. Thanks very much. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Ross, that would run into big political headwinds here, correct? Yeah. Of course it would. And, you know, something to mention that yeah, people have to look at the cognitive biases in these things, too. As, as even the professor said, makes headlines in New Zealand, makes headlines Las Vegas. These things make headlines. And sometimes what happens, you, because you see the headlines, you assume a problem can be bigger, much bigger than it is without looking at it in context to the frequency and how much of it is going on. Um, you know, the issue of the Las Vegas shooting as well, too. I don't think there's been a satisfactory investigation into that one. Many people are very very, very, uh, very unhappy with how the police conducted that investigation. We still don't know why. And uh, I'll, I'll, you know enough. I've, I've spent enough time sitting opposite you, Libby. Motivation is a key factor in people committing crimes. And when you know the motivation, you know something. And for someone to do what was done there with absolutely no hint or direction as to motivation, it just boggles the mind that that would be the, the finding for that. But uh, th- th- these mass shootings... Um, they're a problem. We need to address them. I think the way we need to address them, though, is by looking at the shooters and the people who are engaged in it. I think we're going to find with this man in New Zealand, it's coming out now more and more, his travel, 
He traveled frequently into Pakistan and into Turkey and to other places in Europe where they radicalize, where terrorism is the normal deal, where people get training, where there's political fighting. You learn tribal reasons to go against each other. And I understand even President Erdogan in Turkey is using it as a way of putting his base together, saying, look, this is going to be all the anti-Muslim sentiment from people like this. We need to vote because he's coming up for an election, apparently. So, <laughs> What kind of an election is he coming up for? I don't think. Um, we are going to continue this conversation about other questions that are emanating from this terrible attack and uh, something that was put to Donald Trump. And that was the question, is terrorism from the far right, so-called far right, alt-right, uh, white supremacists, is that now more dangerous than jihadi terrorism? We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. And let me give the numbers again. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Okay, we are back with Ross McLean, and we have been talking about action taken following that murderous mass shooting in Christchurch. The government of New Zealand is going to be moving very quickly to ban certain kinds of weapons. It's going to be introduced with breakneck speed. But Here is another big question raised by Friday's terrible events, and that is, is far-right terrorism now a bigger threat than Islamic extremism? And President Donald Trump punted that question when he was asked. I don't really. I think it's a uh, small group of people that have very, very serious problems. I guess if you look at what happened in New Zealand, perhaps that's a case. I don't know enough about it yet. Okay. So that's what he said. A lot of people are thinking, hey, we are not paying enough attention to the alt-right, the far-right, whatever you want to call it, white supremacists. Uh, they uh, have a lot of weapons. They have a lot of hate. Ross McLean, are people giving enough attention to that particular threat? Well, one of the things you look at when you're evaluating a threat is you're going to look at uh, at least two major categories. One is the impact of such an incident's happening. So we can see that certainly one uh, one person who decides they're a white supremacist with a gun can cause a lot of issue. And the next, you have to look at the frequency of and, and the likelihood of the attacks taking place. What we're seeing now is we're seeing uh, a few of these ones that have taken place. They're making big headlines, but there's not a great frequency of them. We used to have a period of time uh, back in the 90s where we would have seen um, in the 80s where we saw a lot of skinhead gangs. You'd see them all over Europe. Uh, you could, they'd have their heads shaved, all their tattoos. They'd wear their certain types of boots. They had to look. They went around and they would riot, much like the Antifa's causing trouble. They'd, you'd find them everywhere doing things. And further back than that, you had the Klan who would wear their hoods and march and do everything and hang people and do that. So there, there was a bubbling of it. There was a lot of it going on. I think what you're seeing here is a more isolated uh, type of situation. So I don't see it as even being close. Not, it's not even in the same ballpark as uh, Islamic terrorism that we're seeing in the deaths. But couldn't there be an equivalency here? What what it seems to me is that this could be the right-wing, alt-right, whatever, equivalent of what we call lone wolf attacks. Somebody who is radicalized, 
on the internet, uh, which fuels all kinds of hatred. I know you mentioned mental health, but as we've discussed in relation to Islamic extremist terrorism, you know, that's not necessarily mutually exclusive with uh, an extreme ideology from from whatever source. Well, th- these these uh, these ones that are taking place, though, you look at the Bissonnette one in Quebec. He was a guy who had some mental health problems. He did. Right. He was on medications for some right. issues. Didn't play a big part in his trial and his conviction. But clearly he had some issues that were there. Not enough to get him out of his charges. So he was not found not criminally responsible. You see, you've seen the same thing with the theater shooter uh, down the street. He looked like the Joker. You could see that there's some mental illness there. The Sandy Hook, same, same type of thing. You see people who, who clearly have got some issues for these one-off ones that, that some like to relate to uh, broadening them and saying, well, that's white nationalists because they were white and they were killing people. And it likes to feed into a, a premise, but I don't see the similarity between a lot of them, yeah, that the frequency okay, is there. Ross, you know, we, we've had this conversation before when mm-hmm. it comes to jihadis and, and, uh, we have both objected when people try to pin that ideology and say, no, they had mental issues. Well, they may have had some mental issues, but not enough to remove responsibility, if for me- sure. Yeah, but if it's mental issues that are fed by an all ideology or a zealotry from a group that's looking for mentally weak people that they mm-hmm. can manipulate to work for their cause, as opposed to some of these ones, like I'm saying with Bissonnette, he was a guy who was lost in his own little world. He wasn't hooked up with the Ku Klux Klan online and doing stuff and wanting to do things and making a big move. So if you see, so mental health is but, always but a But this guy apparently was hooked up to hate groups online. We'll find out what those hate groups were and, and exactly what the radicalization was behind him. As I said, I'm, I'm not aware of who it, it was he was visiting when he was going around Europe, but he apparently was visiting Pakistan in 2010, right up until 2018. And they spoke to, apparently, I was reading one report before we came on air, the one hotel guy says he's a frequent uh, traveler and visitor to the area for doing it. And, and that's right in where the hotbed of these, you're not going there for the, the beach and the, and the dinner. So I think there'll be more to drop on that as to what his motivations were and who was involved in, I, I believe, in motivating towards this. But, but again, still brings me back to the original question. I mean, we see the rise of the far right all around the world, basically, especially in Europe. And uh, should we be more on the lookout for violence fueled by that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. It's political. A lot of this talk is political. I, I would argue for you, if you want to say, be able to say that there are some far right, well, there are issues that the Ukraine is certainly seeing some issues. And there's uh, some parts of... Uh, in Africa, where you've got different groups that are fighting each other, there's uh, Christians are being slaughtered in Nigeria, and elsewhere so, around the world, by the way, and elsewhere. There's so there's yeah. a, there's a lot there's a lot to go around. But by the same token, and why I'm going to say this is political, and I try to stay more analytical on the facts of it, but I have seen a much higher rise in 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 violence in the alt left and in the far left that is not considered or dealt with as well. Like when we saw all those senators or Congress people got shot up at the game by someone who was alt left, that was just left right off the table for dealing with things. So to some degree, I'm going to say it's a bit of a political football. And I see that some are loving this, that they're able to punt. They're saying Andrew Shear now is somehow supportive of, 
of of people being slaughtered. It's just it's a bridge too far for me to go on an analysis side. Okay, we've got a caller from Virginia Beach, USA. Ron Wonderful. in Virginia Beach. Hi, Ron. Hello. How are you doing? Fine. Virginia, how are you? Virginia Beach is in Georgina. Oh, <laughs> why does it say USA? Uh, I don't sorry. know. Maybe they stopped Virginia Beach okay. USA. Okay, we're still happy was. to talk to you, <laughs> Virginia <laughs> okay. Beach. I'm getting all excited. Okay, go okay, ahead, okay. Ron. No, I just want to say, look, I've been a hunter my whole life, and there's no reason for anybody to own an automatic weapon. You don't go hunt a rabbit with an AK-47. Automatic weapons were only made to kill people, not for, not animals. Yeah, automatic weapons are completely banned and restricted. What about semi-automatic? I'm sorry? What about semi-automatic? They're a big problem. No, 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 you don't need an automatic weapon. I use shotgun, and I use a, a bolt-action weapon. Automatic weapons should only be used in the Army or the police force. It's only ever made to kill human beings. Okay, Ron, thanks very much for that. Uh... Well, I certainly agree with that. <laughs> As I say, though, you get into some of the specifics here, and I talked to you actually about this before the show. Yeah. Automatic weapons are completely, fully automatic weapons are completely illegal in Canada. You, you can't have them unless you're police and, and doing it. And they're completely restricted in the United States as well. You can't get them. And it's against the law yeah, to modify Yeah, but they have semi-automatics. They... Semi-automatic, yeah. but they're not fully automatic. So okay. when you when, so, and I told you before, you'll get a lot of gun people who will call in who uh, like our last caller. He enjoys his guns, but there'll be callers on the other side who are going to say he's not doesn't know his weapons very well. So uh, you know the, the issue about I think about the banning of the guns, and I think we're once again you get into the politics of it. Is for those who don't like guns at all, it's a great reason to ban and confiscate all the guns. It's a great excuse for them to do it. Yeah, for, tho- just, for those who don't yeah. want to give up any regulations to the guns, it's a great excuse for them to say it's a slippery slope. If we do anything over here, they'll take the rest of it. So there's there's not much of agreement on it. But you also can't argue with success in New Zealand after they tightened up the regulations. They had a, a, a drop in this type of violence. But and you the, the, say the maybe sho- it's- well, the, here's the trick: mass shootings are not as regular as typical crime and gun crime that goes on. So this is the instance where I say you get it. You have to look at the frequency as well as the impact. So that's part of the deal. So it, like it sounds great, I think, for the uh, for in New Zealand to say, "Oh, we've just had this. I'm going to ban all guns in ten days right away." I'm not sure that the best decisions are made in the heat of looking at something like this to how it's going to work out for everybody. Because even if I think most people can admit there are some people who know that there are regular reasons why people should be entitled to and have guns. And so to say that we're going to take them all because of this. I don't well, know. I don't she, think didn't, it, she didn't say that she's going to take them all. She said she's going to restrict semi-automatics. Then the and devil perhaps is perhaps handguns. Yes. Yeah. And the devil is in the details for that. Now, I've never had the grace of going to New Zealand. I would love to, but uh, I'm not sure how much of that 
places farm country i'm not sure how much there's they have. very high rate of gun ownership there i think it's about yeah. one in five actually people yeah. own, own guns there so about 20 yeah. percent of the population has a gun and i'm not sure if that's because it's also farmland they have issues I, with coyotes they they do it for whatever i'm not sure what all the reasons are sheep there <laughs> <laughs> no seriously yes so yeah well, okay so there's wolves and, and other issues and things like that so there's reasons to have guns. The, the the horror here, as I said, where I always like to put the emphasis on, uh, Libby, is on the people pulling the trigger or are going to lose it and pull on the trigger. Have we seen them? We have seen enough. As I've told you before, when other terrorist items we've seen, these people have been on the radar of the intelligence services. They were on watch lists, a lot of them. This guy here wasn't. apparently well, not. The Prime Minister also wants to launch an investigation into their intelligence services. So the question I, I, is, why wasn't he? I think they should, because I went through this discussion the other day. I was at, a, at an anti-terrorism conference, and the ability to track when people are traveling and going to these areas, it's like even Canada's not great on it. We've got a lot of ISIS fighters returning here and that have returned here that we haven't dealt with because we're, we're not very good at tracking the travel. Okay, uh, we are uh, almost out of time on this. So you think we're going to find out more about trips to Pakistan, even though this guy was decidedly anti-Muslim? I mean, it doesn't, on the face of it, that doesn't make a huge amount but, of sense. But as I discussed with you, I also wasn't able to look at this. Uh, Shia Muslims are very much anti-Sunni Muslims, and they've mm -hmm. murdered hundreds of thousands well, on of both sides, Sunni, on both, both sides. Both sides, so both sides. So just saying that he's anti-Muslim doesn't mean that he doesn't have a Muslim reason for doing it. And I'll also point out this, uh, I was talking to Bob Comsack there when he was watching the news, and he's telling me we have the picture out of the shooter in the Netherlands now, and he's been identified, and he's from Turkey, where this guy traveled. And is this something that came off at the same time that is somehow related? It's early yet, but these are the threads I would certainly be looking at if I'm in the intelligence services. Is this bolstering up something for Erdogan to get his election? And like, what's the What's the real motivation behind this? Well, yeah, as I said, Erdogan is basically a dictator. I don't think he has to worry about his election one way or another. But uh, I'm sure we will revisit this horrible case and uh, we will get more information on it, hopefully. And that is all the time we have for Fight Back for today. Ross McLean, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Libby. It's always good. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.